Welcome to our Winter Best of series, where we end the year by playing back some of your favorite episodes of the year. Whether you are hearing them for the first time or the fifth time, we know that you will learn something new and be blessed. So sit back and enjoy, and we'll be back with Before You Know It with all new episodes on January 9th. The best way I can describe that is has nothing to do with a knowledge transfers. It's not learning new skills, techniques, even biblical knowledge. It's more him asking, how's my heart? I'm Susan Goss, and as a seasoned therapist of more than 15 years, I'm honored to have had the opportunity to gain so much wisdom from so many people and love passing that knowledge on to others. So join me and some of my favorite friends as we share some tangible truths with you. Hi, and welcome to the Tangible Truth Podcast. My name is Brad Franklin, and I'm sitting in today for Susan Goss, who is in Hawaii with her husband right now. Hope you're having a great time, Susan. We're going to continue the mentoring series that Susan began three weeks ago, but we're going to take a little twist here. Those have mainly involved women, and we're going to turn toward mentoring as it relates to men, um, I would argue that men and women do a lot of things differently, and mentoring is one of those things. Mm-hmm. And so for that reason, I have invited a man here with me to talk about mentoring. This is Chris Simon, and Chris is a therapist here at Fresh Roots, and I've known Chris for a couple of years now. He is a very accomplished therapist who has um, who has committed himself to helping men work with addictive behaviors. Chris, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Brad. Absolutely. So Chris, we're talking about mentoring. Um, Would you maybe just start by telling us your experiences with mentoring? Because I know you have been very involved in that. Yes. Mentoring has played a pivotal part in my life. I lost my dad at an early age of 13. And growing up with a mom and a sister, um, and losing my father at that time in my life. There's a big pull for male influence, but it was also hard to find um, because it's so traditionally found in that father-son role. Right. And so primarily through the church and through other places, I've had some amazing men come in my life and mentor me, some of them very informally by grabbing me by the shoulder and just pulling me under their wing and spending time with me. It's very much how it happened in youth group in my high school years. But as I evolved in college and even post-college, it became a very formal thing I sought out. There was probably can name six or eight men in my life that I went to and just said, hey, I really admire you. I really admire um, your character, how you engage life, those type of things. I'd love to meet with you regularly and just glean some wisdom from you from conversations on specific topics to issues that come from the day. But I love to just sit at your feet and just understand how you view and engage life in a godly way. Mm. And that is some of the ways that I've had the most influential impact on my life were these wonderful men of seasoned experience um, that spoke some great truth into me. Absolutely. You know, you've been talking about that in, in your story Reminds me of a quote from a guy named Rosario Slack. And Rosario says, it takes a man to teach a boy to be a man. Hmm. And I thought that was just pretty amazing. And, and, and you're describing that even at the young of age, you kind of knew that instinctively, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what had you seeking out mentors and other men. And 
Yeah. And in my case, this sounds a bit contradictory, but it was somewhat easier having my father pass away Mm. because I know so many of my friends who may have had a father figure in their life that wasn't a father figure. Yeah. That may have been physically present, but not emotionally present. And so having my dad physically gone, it almost made it a little easier for me to recognize there's a lot of stuff I don't know. Right. I need some help figuring this out. And so grabbing some some leaders from youth group or youth pastor or an elder from my church or these type of people and saying, Hey, there's a whole lot. I don't know. I'd love to pick your brain on some topics. Let's meet over coffee or lunch regularly. And man, it's been so influential for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, Chris, and knowing you a little bit like I do, I wonder if that's, oh, that's part of your personality because I feel like I see that in you of you're always wanting to improve and grow and you do you seek out people naturally, maybe as a function of, of losing your dad young. But I'm kind of just see that in you as a person doing that. I, and I appreciate that compliment there. But I also say that was a learned trait. Yeah. Because okay. I remember particularly early on in high school years uh, feeling alone and isolated a lot. Again, mm-hmm. having my mom and my sister and some extended fam- family around was wonderful. But still wanting that. And I remember those times where I would hope and wish that somebody would reach out to me. Mm. That, Mm. oh, I really had a great conversation with this person. Maybe they'll ask to hang out again. And after enough times of having my hopes and expectations psychopathically (laughs) communicated (laughs) to this person (laughs) that they never picked up on. it, It came to the realization that if I want to... Spend some time with people. I need to be more upfront and just said, hey, I really appreciate you. Can I spend some more time with you over coffee or uh, after a football game or this kind of stuff? And so that was definitely not my natural personality. But part of it was for me to get what I was truly seeking after, which was that care, that love, affection, that mentorship. Mm -hmm. I couldn't sit on the sidelines anymore. And so after years of being disappointed... I decided to make a decision about yeah. it and it's paid dividends more than I could have ever explain. Yeah. And I think you're onto something there because I do think a lot of us, especially as men, I don't want to be seen as needy or mm. too vulnerable. And so we, we, we do, we kind of wait for people to come to us, right. Or the situation to play out in that direction. But part of what you're talking about is at some point you had to make the decision of, I'm going to stick my neck out there and, and, and ask, and, uh, yeah. And even as you say that, it makes me think about a common feeling that so many of us experience, which is that shame. Mm-hmm. That shame comes in my mind of, I should already know this. I don't mm-hmm. need to ask. Absolutely. Or, oh, if I ask of them, they'll think less of me. Yeah. And all this shame, this insecurity versus all of sin and falling short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, a cord of three strands is not easily broken, as Proverbs talks about. Proverbs also talk about a person who seeks many advisors will often thrive. Uh-huh. Like if you look at it as the Bible talks about it, so much of this, is this idea of like pursue and seek after and it'll be given to you. Yeah. And that is. That's a hard thing to do. Yeah. When you're thinking, I don't deserve this. Mm. I'm unworthy. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the most amazing things for me is I got to sit with some great people and some great mentors that that are names people recognize. Two things struck me is one, they're just as human as I am. 
we see these people on pedestals of, of, of even Susan of, of tangible truth, right? As I've gotten to have an office next to her and chit chat in between sessions. It's great to see she's human too. Yeah, She makes mistakes. She has errors and does wonderful things all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And in some ways getting to sit with these, these people I really admire and respect actually helped combat some of that shame mm. that says, Oh, I don't deserve to sit with them or I'm too messed up to sit with them to say they're the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one thing that's really struck me. And the second one is, is simply most people who are godly people who are seeking after the Lord. If someone comes to them and says, Hey, I'd love to learn from you. I'd love to just glean some wisdom of how you engage God in this world. I, in my experience, I'd say nine out of the 10 people I asked to do that said, absolutely. Mm. Because it's not, if I come up to you, Brad, and say, hey, I really admire you and the way God lives in your life. Can you just tell me more how you do that? Are you going to say, I'm sorry, that's not something very important to me. Right. <laughs> right? Right. It's the right. opposite. Right. And the only person who turned me down for a mentor, and I still greatly respect the guy. The guy's name was John in Denver, and he was a house church guy. And he said, God's called me to do house church. And if you're dedicated to house church, I would love to mentor and minister to you. And if you're not... Not that I don't care about you, but God's called me to do this specific thing. Wow. And so even in that denial, I had my respect for him even increased Mm -hmm. because it just showed, wow, this is a person who knows God and knows what God's calling him to do Mm -hmm. and is dedicated to that. Mm. And how amazing is it? Yeah, that's great. Talk about this, Chris. Yeah, you've had a number of mentors. Would you maybe talk about uh, one of your, your best experiences and what you got out of that mentorship? Ooh, that's a hard question of best experiences. <laughs> I can think of maybe there's a quick one that came that comes to mind as one of my most recent mentors. His name's Gary. And I get to spend probably every three weeks, I drive down and, and spend an hour and a half with him. And the best way I can describe that is has nothing to do with a knowledge transference. It's not learning new skills, techniques, even biblical knowledge. It's more him asking, how's my heart? I'm sharing, I'm struggling with this concept of scripture. This week, I got to spend some time with him on on Monday and driving down to Siloam to meet with him and just had a great conversation saying, I'm wrestling with this idea. I'm wrestling with the idea of adversity. And I know the Lord's called us to that. Jesus promised in John 11, in this world, you will have trouble, Hmm. but I have overcome the world. Like it is a commonplace, but yeah, that doesn't mean I do it well. And so it was so cool going to somebody I respect and say, I'm wrestling with this idea. And there's no shame. There's no condemnation. He's just like, yep, that's part of life. Mm-hmm. I don't have any answers for you. But here's a little bit of my experience. This is what's worked well for me. This is what's worked poor for me. And to, to have that posture of humility as a mentor but also just that openness to say, hey, this is my life. This is my experience. It may resonate with you. It may not. And I think that's one of the things I've enjoyed about mentorship the most is it's really about having access to someone, mm-hmm. letting them into the good, the bad, and the ugly of their lives. Mm-hmm. And in that, seeing the hand of God in. Absolutely. And seeing in, in their ups and their downs and me just coming, hey, I struggle with this idea. How can I do this in a way that honors God and him just laugh and say, yep, I've struggled with that one. <laughs> yeah. And, and just being like, oh, you too? Oh, I feel so much better. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea, great, I don't have all the answers, 
let's pursue God together. And it's just that that harmony and communion that comes together of seeking God together. Mm-hmm. And at the end, having some prayer, being thankful, just expressing gratitude of, Lord, thanks for just this time with another brother who's trying to get closer to you. You're bad. And at the end, people ask, what would you learn? I'm like, I don't know if I could exactly put a finger on it. But I sat with someone else who's seeking God, who we talked about hard decisions together. And just that fellowship mm-hmm. alone is redeeming. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm hearing something here that tells me that, that you're going pretty deep in your mentoring. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of times as guys, we see mentoring or a men's group as exchange of information, right? We mm-hmm. we study a book of the Bible or we go through a, a book on manhood by John Eldridge or whatever. Um, but, but you're talking about something deeper than that. You're talking about sharing life. You're talking about some transparency. Yeah. And there are a couple of things that, that has struck me with that. I, I think it was a quote, was it C.S. Lewis? No, it was actually an atheist scientist who came to the faith. And he said, nobody's come to the gospel through academic knowledge. Mm. They come through their heart. Mm. And that's always struck me. I, through the loss of my dad, I've had all my own addiction struggles and insecurities and issues. And for a long time, um, I hid in academia and I hid in theology. Mm. My undergrads in theology, I'd had half of my MDiv before I switched to clinical counseling. And I could argue theological topics of N.T. Wright and the difference between Luther and Calvin and the 16th century and all this kind of stuff. But at the heart of it is I was arguing facts and knowledge outside myself right. that had nothing to do with my heart. Mm. And it was a way to actually keep people at a distance was let's just talk about knowledge and, and good knowledge, right? Sure. Theological knowledge. Sure. But I also had a professor in undergrad. His name was Shane Johnson, who taught at Malone University. He, he was a preacher turned professor and he, he had all the rough edges that came with it. And I loved it. And one of the things he said to me that always struck me, he said, hell will be paved with pastors who could tell you all the right answers, but couldn't tell you how it felt. Mm. The gospel is about a heart transformation with God. It's not about an academic understanding of who he is. And the more we academically argue over pre-trib, post-trib, all this kind of stuff, if anything, I think it pulls us away from one of the prayers that Jesus had. The few prayers Jesus is recorded that Jesus said in the Bible is praying for our unity yeah. and, and the community together. Mm-hmm. And in that, that's about breaking bread together. It's about fellowship. It's about living life together. It's not about arguing theological pups of transubstantiation or the indinction method of communion mm-hmm. and all these things. Mm-hmm. But it's just like. Hey, how's Jesus touched your heart today? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you sat with him, what did he tell you? Did you feel his love? Because I can tell, I I can list a hundred verses that talk about God's love. But can, and I think a lot of people do. I'm like, okay, can you tell me what it feels like to bask in the glory of his love that you experience in him? Hmm. That's a different level of knowing Jesus. Absolutely. And I think, guys, we love, and I'm just as guilty of this, of staying in the the concrete, the knowledge, the details, the fact. And in that, and I think partially because it's safe. Right. I think partially because it's easy. But if we can go beneath that and you get to this place, okay, yeah, these are your favorite scriptures, great. 
what does it mean for you have to sin and fallen short of God's glory? What does it mean that Jesus died for you and that when he was sitting on the cross, he was thinking of you? Like I even get teary eyed as I think about that because that's a different experience than this. Oh, yes, here's the Romans road to salvation. We start in chapter three. We like, okay, it makes me think of, of an idea someone told me. It's like those who have received much grace can give much grace. Uh-huh. And sometimes the better I understand my sinfulness, the more I understand his love. for me. Yeah. But I don't want to show my sinfulness. Right. I want to show my weaknesses. So, Chris, let's talk about this, because I'm sure there are a lot of guys out there right now. It's like, that sounds amazing. That sounds great. I want to get there. But how, how do you get there? That's a great question. And it's a question a lot of my clients ask, as we were talking before we started this, of working as a, an addictions counselor is a mentor aspect of that. And a lot of my clients, when talking about recovery and, and vulnerability and and confessing sins to each other to get the freedom of that because there's yeah. a 12 step saying is we're only as sick as our secrets because mm. secrets have a weight to us that's right they're like how do i find it how do i share this with people and the thought that always goes to me is so often we think about the mechanics of how do i share what do i share and i think that in some ways is unimportant i think the most important part is can i choose a safe person in which to share Mm-hmm. And if they're safe, it doesn't matter if I fumble over my words or not. Mm. They're going to care for me and they're um, going to love me. Yeah. And I think for the people who are interested in this or this taps a part of their heart is great. Who are the people who've shown to be emotionally and spiritually safe mm. that aren't there to one up you that aren't there to say what's right or wrong, but are there who can sit in the muck with you and be uncomfortable Sit with the emotions and just like, yeah, I've been there. That's rough. Yeah. You know what? You don't have to be there alone. Yeah. And when you find that safe person, I think the mechanics go out the window. And before you know it, you're saying things you never thought you'd say. Mm-hmm. And then there's a relief and a freedom. As, as we're talking about in James 5.16, when we confess and we just share, yeah. um, there's a power to it. And one of my personal theologies of this is I think even the power of confession goes back to the Imago Dei in us of God spoke and creation was made, right? Right. If we're made in the image of God, there's a power of speaking something, of articulating it, of saying it aloud to another person. Right. Just like God had. Right. And it's different than writing or texting or emails. But when you look at another person and say, said, hey, I'm struggling with this idea. Can I have your prayer? And for them to look in your eyes like, I'm so glad you said that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's prayer. Your heart melts because you're like, I'm seen. People can see me. I don't have to hide anymore. Yeah. To Not just to God, but to other people too. And I think that's the beauty and the community God really wants for us. Absolutely. You know, and you and I know as therapists, there's no magic in therapy. One of the things you see is when people say things out loud it changes how they see that and how they understand that, um, you know, and you, you've heard the research, what women speak 30,000 words a day and <laughs> men speak 12,000 a day. I don't know how true that is, but I, I know there's probably some truth in that. And, and, but, but just that ability to have some place, right. That's safe to your point. You can say something out loud. And once it leaves your, your mouth, it hangs out there. You can better understand how true or not true that thing is, right? Or mm-hmm. 
understand myself better just in even what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Words, because words matter. Yeah. Words are powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chris, talk about this real quick. So you you have been mentored by a lot, but you also have mentored people, correct? Mm-hmm. Talk about that a minute and what that's like and and why that's uh, important to you. I've been very blessed by being mentored by a lot of wonderful people. To be honest, I don't have a whole lot of experience mentoring people. A few informally here and there. It's sad, like right? I would love to, but I think a lot of it is, and partially this comes from our counseling background, right? Mm-hmm. Like. I see when someone in need, I'm not going right. to grab them, pull them in and say, I'm going to be mentor to you. Like, it's right. You've already done this for nine hours today, right? And yeah. Yeah. But if someone's eager, but the, the people through church and I've got a lot of friends that there's, it's almost this mentor, this collegial mentor, peer, wonderful relationships that we're, where we speak truth and life to in it, yeah. each other. Yeah. And, and there's a parallel to that being a therapist. I, I was talking to a therapist client I have <laughs> yesterday about this topic of, one of the best things about being a therapist is I'm sitting and talking with people and being that third party objective person and telling my ideas. And at least once or twice a week, if not once a day, I say something to a client. I say, wow, I needed to hear that today. Mm-hmm. I need to work on that myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the same thing in any mentorship and any teacher in any place like this of, one of the great gifts you get by sharing life with other people, even if you're the one that's supposed to be the the wiser of the two, you right. share things or you hear something like, man, Lord, thank you for sharing that through this person. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having this be a mutual relationship. And even my mentor now and some of the past ones I've had, they've said that they've just had a great time talking with me as I ask questions and learn. It forces them yes. to consider things that maybe they hadn't considered in that way, yeah. which helps deepen their understanding of God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that hindered me when I was asking mentors. I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to be this. But partially now that I'm on the other side, if I could encourage anyone, ask because by being a an engaged mentee or just disciple of someone, right? By asking good questions and sharing what you're struggling with, you are going to help them grow yeah. just like you're growing. Yeah. And I think that's, just, again, the beautiful relationship of the, of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. God made this so none of us could do this alone. Mm-hmm. Even when God said it's not good for man to be alone, this is pre-fall. Yeah. Like we walked... Adam was walking in the garden with God in perfect union, which none of us could imagine. Right. And he still said, I need a little bit more. Good So, point. like, we need people. And not to, to supplement God, but again, one of the main ways God works is through people. And that's one of the great gifts of being his son, uh, being sons and daughters of God is we get to be his hands and feet. Mm-hmm. And I think mentorship is one of those where it really comes to fruition. Mm-hmm. And I get blessed just as much as being the one who blesses. You bet. You know, Chris, you just said something and it struck me in a way I've never thought that proclamation by God, it is not good for us to do life alone. That was said before the fall, not after the fall. Mm-hmm. And so often, especially as men, we see that need as something that's broken or something that's weak. But to your point, God proclaimed that before the fall when, when we were still mm-hmm. in that perfect state with him. And if you think a lot of how culture looks now, there's this male idolization of the John Wayne Lone Ranger or the James right. Bond. 
right. kind of persona. And is it exciting all this? Yes. But man, what a lonely life. Yeah, absolutely. How much pressure that is that I have to figure out everything on my own. Yeah. And, and again, it's not how God made us. Right. And I think a lot of men and a lot of women in, in our culture, in our world, are like, I've got to keep it all together. i got to act like everything's okay. And that's not how God designed us to be. That is right. I mean, when Jesus was talking to Peter, on this rock, I will build the church. The Catholics talk about that from the papacy. But for, from a general statement, talking about the community of saints, on this, I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot overcome it. Mm-hmm. That is because when we are better together than when we are alone. Amen. And there's no way we can be an isolated island. Yeah. And I think that's that's mentorship. That's the church. That's the body of Christ. Yeah. And I think in this Western culture, we've taken this ind- radical individuality mm-hmm. that I can. And, and maybe, yeah, I can. But we never ask the, the, the question, is it wise? Yeah. And I think a lot with my kids, like my, my four-year-old loves to bake. And it's hilarious because he asked me, can I help you bake the muffins? And I'm like, this is going to take three times as long. <laughs> I don't need your help. And I don't really want your help, but you are going to love it. It is going to make your morning. And to be honest, at the end of it, it makes my day because mm-hmm. it's not about the task at hand. It's about enjoying it with another person. Mm-hmm. And when we get this radical individualism, I, I need to do this on my own. It's Is it more pride? Is it more ego? Is it trying to combat some insecurity? If I do this, maybe I'll feel better about myself. Mm-hmm. And my combat to that, and I think the scriptural combat to that is we are imperfect. Yeah. We are sinners. We are making mistakes. And so God loves us nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And he wants an intimate, personal relationship with us, mm-hmm. all in spite of that. And I think that is the greatest gift of the gospel. Yeah. Of while I was still a sinner, God said, I'm dying for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You said something that, that kind of triggers something that I tell my clients of, you know, in life, you're making decisions that are taking you one or two directions. Some, some decisions we make because it makes my life easier. Some decisions we make because it adds depth to my life. Mm -hmm. Right. And so to involve people in our lives, it's going to make life maybe a little bit more complicated, not as easy for me, but the depth that it produces is what we're looking. And that's what we're talking about here with mentorship is, yeah, maybe it's a little bit inconvenient. It's going to take you, cost you some time, but the depth that it provides is what you're testifying to here of what mm-hmm. what that has done for you. Absolutely. Wonderful. Chris, it's been a pleasure, been an honor, and uh, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me, Brad. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about something that's really impactful for me, and I hope that this is helpful and impactful um, for somebody who's listening. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Tangible Truth Podcast, part of the KLRC Podcast Network.